0: Welcome back to the Spartans Speak podcast. I am Yubi Aranda Sandoval, UNCG Class of 2017 and Assistant Director of Alumni Engagement at UNCG. Go Spartans! As many of you know, Hispanic Heritage Month kicked off September 15th and we will be celebrating it through October 15th. Americans observe National Hispanic Heritage Month by celebrating the histories, cultures, and contributions of American citizens whose ancestors came from Spain, Mexico, the Caribbean, Central America, and South America. The observation started in 1968 as Hispanic Heritage Week under President Lyndon Johnson and was expanded by President Ronald Reagan in 1988. September 15th is significant because it is the anniversary of independence for Latin American countries Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, and Nicaragua. In addition, Mexico and Chile celebrated their Independence Day on September 16th and September 18th respectively also dia de la raza which is october 12 falls within the 30-day period to help commemorate hispanic heritage month in the uncg alumni world this episode of spartan speak will focus on latinx communities in north carolina and their involvement in the political arena our guests today are alumna ariana alvarez uncg class of 2019 and north carolina state representative Ricky Hurtado. Ariana is a legislative aide, and Ricky is the first elected Latinx state official in North Carolina serving its 63rd district in Alamance County. Today's episode will also be guest hosted by alumna Kaylin Rivera. Kaylin is a senior manager at Unidos US, the nation's largest Latino civil rights organization. She is a first generation Colombia Guatemalan from Gastonia, North Carolina, and proud UNCG class of 2013 alumna. We hope you enjoy our chat with Ariana, Ricky, and Kaylin.
1: Alright, we'll start with you, Ariana. Tell us uh, tell us a little bit more about you. Who is Ariana Álvarez?
2: Uh gladly. Um... So um, my name is Ariana, and I am a legislative assistant with the uh, with Representative Ricky Rattato here. Um, so, uh, but before that, um, and before that, I graduated at UNCG um, uh, around 2019 in the spring. Um, I'm pretty much the face of politics slash, I love, slash theater kid slash uh, model UN kid, just the completely like nerdiest iteration of someone that you could probably think of in politics. Um, but yeah, that's, that's me. I, I work in the legislative uh, office and sometimes I work in campaigns. Um, so legislative by day, campaigns by night. <laughs> Um, and yeah, that's a little bit about me, but, um, I also grew up in North Carolina my entire life. So, um, yeah, I'm very happy to serve the state that I was born and raised in.
1: You were born here in North Carolina and raised here in North Carolina. Yeah. What town?
2: Uh, Greensboro, North Carolina.
1: Oh, nice. All right. All right. I didn't know that. Okay. Um, and so tell us, tell us a little bit about your background here at, um, on campus.
2: Yeah, so I actually, I went to UNC Charlotte for about a year, my freshman year, and then I decided to go to UNCG, um, because one, it was closer to home. Um, I think that's the, a major thing with like Latino families, you know, you want to be closer to your family. and things of that nature but I also love the campus in general. Um everything about UNCG just kind of like st- stuck with me. Um everything just had an impactful um like theme. I was a part of the Lloyd International Honors College. So, I was mostly taught by Dr. Omar Ali. Um and he is just a force and like he is a a pivotal and major part of my like education um at UNCG and honestly like I would take any of his classes like at any moment like it's amazing amazing professor um so from from then I from then on I continued with political science because that's just something that I've always always wanted to to be involved in it's just It's something that's in my blood, you know, like my parents, we talk about politics all the time um, from when I was five years old to, you know, like to to now. Um, And so UNCG really helped facilitate that process of, you know, being a global citizen, but also like being involved in the community, being involved in my campus. And um, I was also president of Amnesty International, and that was my small way of being like a little impact at UNCG. And um, it's mostly because, you know, I had amazing professors at UNCG that like really helped facilitate that.
3: I was going to say, I will hardly agree am similar um, experience that happened at UNCG. Um, but I also just wanted to quickly um also pivot over to Ricky and find out like, what was that, um what was that pivotal role that kind of shaped, you know that, that moment that you knew that you wanted to run for office, because it's not something that's like an easy decision to make.
4: Mm, No, that's a, that's a really good question. I am like the opposite of Ariana. (laughs) Ariana (laughs) is a, a, a gift (laughs) to the political world, uh, a gift to North Carolina in general with Understanding how important civic engagement is in, in in our community, I understood the importance of public service and really had a heart to follow a career in the public sector, uh, and that was mainly rooted in the struggles that I saw in my own family. I'm the child of immigrants. My you know my parents both immigrated to North Carolina, fleeing a civil war, and you know life wasn't that easy. We you know working class. Uh, family, you know, living paycheck to paycheck, making ends meet. And so I knew that going into college, I wanted to help my family out. That was sort of the floor, right? In terms of what I wanted to do with, with my career. But then as I grew up and I began to understand a little bit more about our state and our nation and even our world, I began to realize that many of the challenges that my parents faced weren't unique to immigrant families or even my family, they were actually problems that a lot of working class families in North Carolina were facing. And so that just motivated me to get even more involved in thinking about how can we think about systemic change in a more holistic way that impacts marginalized communities, communities of color, working class communities that are working and giving so much to their communities and getting very little in return. And so that conversation and those sort of that trajectory didn't necessarily lead me to politics. Uh, It wasn't until I, um, I barely voted in 2008. (laughs) I I, I tell people that the first election that I ever participated in was, you know, the election that got was a historic election for Obama. I was like a sophomore in college, I think. And it didn't mean anything to me because I wasn't paying attention to politics. I was actually just like nose to the grindstone, like trying to like survive college. And I guess I heard, you know, stuff about the election. I didn't really know the, I actually didn't even know how historic it was. And I was like, sure, everyone's voting on campus. I'll vote, right? I'll do my duty. Everyone r- flooded for Franklin Street when President Obama won and I was asleep in my dorm room. Can you believe that? No,
3: <laughs> how could you miss that? I.
4: is <laughs> wow. Isn't that crazy? And so I think from there to run for office is a pretty dramatic change uh, in sort of my own political consciousness, which for me was connecting the dots on how policy impacted our community, and actually speaking to elected officials and telling my story and the story of my community, and those stories falling on deaf ears and recognizing that we won't see change until those communities have a seat at the table. And in my case, it was low-income communities, working-class communities, Latino communities, communities growing up in rural and suburban North Carolina. You don't see those voices in the General Assembly right now, where, you know, where I'm a state house representative. And so I felt that um, you know, those closest to the problem are closest to the solution. And the only way to see change through is to have a seat at that table.
3: Yeah. So you are the first Latino elected in the North Carolina state legislature. Is that correct?
4: Um, kind of, I'm actually the first Latino Democrat. And so there have, oh, okay. been, um, two Republican legislators elected, uh, But I would argue that um, there has not been an intentional um, lens in which understanding how Latino issues impact the Latino community. And so I think there was excitement around my election, especially because it was the first time where a lot of community members felt like their experiences were reflected in uh, a candidate that would then represent them in the General Assembly. And and I was humbled and excited to, to be able to take up that mantle.
1: Yeah, going back to your experience of not being as involved with politics, I think that that kind of lands on many um younger youth. They weren't as involved because it wasn't affecting, you know, their day-to-day. And sometimes like you, you know, we were just trying to survive college years. And um I can see that now with with you know the generation that um that is in college now, some of them, not, not you know, they, they're like, um, well, I'm too busy. But then at the same time, you're like, but these, this is how things are affecting you. Um, And so it's a, it's very important to, to know that, you know, at one point you, you become affected by the things going on in your, in your state, especially in your state or at local level. So um, it's good to educate, so let's um what what did you decide to uh well, you told us a little bit about why you decided to to run for for politics, but let me take it back a little bit and tell us a little bit more about Ricky who is Ricky
4: yeah, who is Ricky um and so yes, yeah, so I told a little bit about the story, but um Uh, It's hard for me to start this story without um, telling the story of my parents. Uh, My parents are Salvadorian immigrants. Uh, I would argue that they were refugees, but the point being is that they fled a civil war in Central America in 1980, about six months before Archbishop Romero was assassinated in El Salvador, for folks that know that history. And they weren't necessarily chasing an American dream, but in reality, were escaping a nightmare back at home. And in that process, landed in Los Angeles, California, as undocumented immigrants who were living in the shadows and were just trying to survive, quite frankly, they're 20 years old, and um, were really just challenged in thinking about, well, what does it mean to leave everything behind and just start anew here in, in, in the United States. And so my mom and dad came over together. Uh, they were dating. Um, they were in love. Uh, my mom and her family were the ones that made the decision to come here. And then my dad quit college and said, when are we leaving? And so that's sort of the story of them. Uh, I, those sacrifices are the backdrops of my entire life and and so much of my public service, because I remember the sacrifices that they made for me to even be able to be having this conversation today in terms of my education, my upbringing, putting food on the table, and then to have the audacity to run for office. And so that sacrifice and that support system that my parents have always provided allowed me to navigate Uh, you know, an often complicated, underfunded public school system, to meet incredible teachers that became my mentors in rural North Carolina, and then to become a first-generation college student. And so uh, I went to Carolina, uh, and that's sort of where I began to understand the world a little bit better in terms of um, what it meant to really pursue systemic change for marginalized communities. And then I went to grad school to study public policy more seriously when I began to understand that Politics and policy did have a big role to play. So, growing up, I understood the problems, uh, but I didn't understand who had the solutions. And I began to recognize that there are laws and policies that are implemented that shape outcomes for communities all the time around education, around health, around the economy. And I felt like we could do better. I, I see the potential of so many of our kids and how much of a difference education made in my life, and believe that we can be doing better to make sure that impact is felt in every community across the state. And so, yeah, so that's a little bit sort of of my backdrop and what really drives me to show up to work every day in my full-time job, working in education, or even in my so-called part-time job as a legislator is really about thinking about education, public education in particular, as a cornerstone of our democracy and economy as we think about how do we truly expand opportunity for everyone in North Carolina.
3: Don't want to get too political here, but I did hear that you had COVID while you were campaigning. So
4: to to sort of separate this out for the audience, I had COVID and I knocked on doors but on the same time. <laughs> okay, there we go. Thanks. So for, any, for any audience members listening there saying like what was Ricky irresponsibly doing in the community? <laughs> but I did no, we don't I, and unfortunately it is a political conversation right about COVID when in reality it's a public health crisis that is impacting everyone, right? COVID is not partisan. It does not care if you're a Democrat, Independent, or Republican. It It's really impacted our community in, in a lot of different ways. And so um, that, for me, was a really tough part last summer, actually, on a much more serious, somber note. My wife and I got COVID, uh, and we were pretty sick for about three weeks. I have asthma, so I got I got pretty spooked pretty quickly uh, in how it would impact me. And a few weeks later, my my uh, my father-in-law passed away from COVID. And so it was actually a pretty dark time uh, for our family. Uh, but it, in a way, also connected us really deeply to the community. Because when I was making phone calls, uh, you know, we phone banked a lot more than we canvassed because it was much safer. You heard those stories of isolation, of hurt, of desperation, as to, and the uncertainty of how COVID was impacting us people losing jobs, people losing families, uh, people just not sure where to turn to for help. And so in many ways, it, um, you know, provided some sort of empathy there to let folks know that I I get where you're going through because we're going through the exact same thing. And so uh, the door knocking came much later when we were, um, you know, getting out the vote and much closer to the election. And for me, I, I, sure, we're talking politics now, but I think for me, it was just, you know, and Ariana can share this with you too, because, you know, we share mutual love for what campaigns can mean for communities around organizing and canvassing and knocking on doors and building those one-on-one relationships with real people in real communities where you're actually, my favorite part about campaigns is that you're getting an opportunity to dream together. So it's just like, what are your hopes and dreams for your community and how can we make those a reality? And, And I think that's actually the beauty of politics where It's a very hopeful space where you get to dream about what is possible. Uh, And so, yeah, so I I think that win or lose, it was a really worthwhile endeavor because it put me in relationship with community in a way that I'd never been before for people to be vulnerable with you and share, you know, challenges, opportunities, and, you know, their dreams for their children. Uh, and, And I think that's a really neat thing that we have a chance to do when we get involved in politics. And so, you know, it's sort of tough to go back from that moment because now, you know, you know, you can actually talk to your neighbors (laughs) and they'll tell you what they think and what's on their mind, which is pretty cool.
1: I saw your eyes light up when, uh, when, but if you mentioned, you know, it's that when you are running for campaign or, you know, a campaigning period, you have this hope. So tell us a little bit about like how UNCG may have like created this career path for you or made that, you know, a hope alive for
2: you um yeah I can talk so much about my love for UNCG honestly Ricky can attest that I am UNCG's biggest fan like every day in the office I'm just like oh my god I got this UNCG uh pin from like um this this friend that was organizing a caucus but anyways that's um a different story um but yeah uh UNCG really helped me on my career path on focusing on things like international engagement in the you know the office of intercultural engagement uh, Lloyd International Honors College like I previously said the study abroad program I studied abroad for one semester and UNCG is really instrumental in helping helping me um actually like Um, paving that way to study in the United Kingdom. And I studied more politics over there. Um, And even to the very gen ed curriculum, I think it's very um, centered on um, how are we as, um, you know, uh, as Spartans, you know, contributing to the to the world at large. And I think that's a great Um, aspect and a great a great tenant that I learned while at UNCG and I think that because I met so many different people at this campus I can't even tell you how many different people I've met Um, just from different countries different uh, interests different different you know uh, paths in life whether they were um, a commuter or a, um, or a transfer student or an older uh, student in my class. I remember I had um, this older guy sitting next to me in like my uh, mythology class. And I was just like, are we going to have a friendship? Um, and I thought that was really great. You know, there's just so many different people in different paths. And I really love being exposed to that. So um, I think that having that experience um, really helped me in, you know, uh, understanding people because that's what politics is really about. Just like understanding the person next to you, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I, I'm I, a politico, quote unquote, but, you know, I also need to like understand people outside of this, outside of this uh, political sphere, right? Because that's, yeah you can't always be in, like, one, uh, I guess, like, in a, um, like, in a, in an echo chamber, right, and meeting people from different areas in life at UNCG really helped me, uh, you know, understand, like, everyone, I guess, um, and how I can translate that into politics and campaigns and legislative work, so, I mean.
1: Yeah. I can totally see the the adult transfer student. I was an adult transfer student here at UNCG, yeah. um, and there, when we say we are diverse, is like we are diverse, not like culturally, 100%. age, yeah, on on many levels, which is beautiful. And I don't know if you. Had to see that Kaylin in earlier years as well. But I certainly in when I graduated 2017, there was certainly that diverse population from age to culture. Um and the the different sense of just being part of a different group.
3: That's literally why I went to UNCG at the like, time literally. I remember literally I you know I, I wasn't supposed to go to college. I was actually planning on going to the marines, So like I did my application process super last minute and the reason I chose USMG is because when I was like looking at all the universities' diversity at the time UNCG had the highest which was like three percent compared to all the other universities that was one percent. So and I actually went to UNCG never visiting the campus. I went solely on the reason that it was the most diverse university in North Carolina so I like applied, when I got accepted, I went, never checked out the campus. And then God is good because UNCG literally is the reason, honestly, why I'm even in the space that I'm in. And yeah, I'm also like a UNCG, you know, uh advocate, to be honest.
4: Can I can I jump in on this UNCG Love Fest here? Because <laughs> please no. I, I'm not I'm not a UNCG alum, uh, but its campus, every time I've stepped foot on it, is feels like home. It, it's always been the most comfortable space for me as a student or as an adult. Um, when I see the student body at UNCG, I see the face of North Carolina and America, which is rather uh, incredible because you don't often see that on college campuses. And so if there's anyone important listening to this podcast, y'all should hit me up with an honorary degree so I can like claim UNCG is mine too. Okay? <laughs>
3: Yubi, <laughs> can make that happen. <laughs> I
1: don't know. I don't have the manpower for that. <laughs> oh goodness! Well, we—I honestly, I can't say enough of how much I've enjoyed with working here and being an alumna is um, also changed my life completely. Igual was just the same as you guys. I—I I joined UNCG because of its um, diversity. And um, knowing very little, honestly, very little what that really meant. To me, when they just said it's a diverse campus, I was looking at culture, but it went beyond that. And that, that was probably the beautiful, most beautiful part of it, because even as an adult transfer student, I was able to click with other adult transfer students that felt just as weird as I did around college-aged kids who did not know anything about, like... M- the dynamic that I was you know faced with as an adult student and how embarrassing sometimes that might have been to us so anywho um yeah so I know Kaylin you have a, a question for Ricky and Adriana.
3: yeah so I just wanted to know you know we're all living through like unprecedented times and I feel like I've been saying this every single year but literally this year with the pandemic and like year two. Um, what are you guys doing to take care of yourself like your mental health and like you know for me personally like walking is the thing that brings me the most joy um so I kind of wanted to find out like what is bringing you joy right now
2: yeah okay um so something I mean since COVID I've just been partaking in every single hobby that I can find um so knitting painting uh I actually have a painting right right above me um and uh I got a cat um cats are very helpful um in you know finding some finding some comfort although she bites a lot um but other than that uh, walks uh, watching uh, funny movies movies that just make me feel like comfort and happiness um I think that's also something that um um that I found also at UNCG. Um I like dabbled in uh, like photography and film at UNCG and um I actually uh did some photography with the karate, the um arts magazine, and that's how I found comfort while in college. Um but that's what I'm doing right now during COVID. Um, uh yeah just taking on activities and meeting um my family every now and again they're healthy and um vaccinated and um meeting friends here here and there um because they are also healthy and vaccinated uh thank god
4: (laughs) yeah ariana says all these things nonchalantly like she does all the things that us regular humans want to do but never actually like commit and follow through on Like every time I look over in the office, she's like knitting something or reading a book or something. (laughs) In between stuff where I'm like, oh my God, I have 10 minutes. Let me close my eyes and like rest, you
3: know?
4: um, Yeah, for me, it's been uh, not those hobbies, even though I would like to. Uh, I think the challenging part for me is that during COVID was when I decided to launch a campaign, right? And so I was like in the middle of a campaign. And then as as COVID has continued, you know, I was fortunate enough to be elected by the people of Alamance County. And so now I have two jobs. A little known fact for most people um, is that serving in the General Assembly is a part-time job, quote unquote. So what they really mean is part-time pay for full-time work. And so we, it's not really sure how long the calendar ever lasts. There was some research that just came out that People think that legislators make you know above a hundred hundred twenty five thousand dollars a year, which is could not be further from the truth we we make pennies we make less than minimum wage <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you, like literally if you do the math, we make less than uh fourteen thousand dollars a year, but you don't do it for the money, obviously you do it for um the public service uh and 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 I think But I think that's another conversation around um, the legislature and how we make sure we get good policy out of that. Uh, You notice how I'm avoiding your question, Carolyn, because I don't actually do a lot of things for fun. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that uh, (laughs) overall, it's really been about taking care of myself. And and that to me right now brings me joy because it's about family. It's been about, you know, getting out a lot of hikes and exercise because that has like kept me balanced and alive uh like literally (laughs) uh to make sure that I could actually do both of these jobs um and so I think we're we're finally my wife and I she also got a new job while we were um in this process and so I think we're finally sort of emerging from the clouds and sort of trying to be human again because it seems like you know COVID is it's going to be a while before it goes away and so just trying to find those pockets of joy and fresh air so we can keep going
3: you are doing good. You're going on hikes. What do you mean?
4: But not you got to like give Ariana. yourself some credit. <laughs> not like Ariana okay. who's probably read like a hundred books and knit like three sweaters by this point. So. Um,
2: <laughs> I I okay. It's been like two books,
3: and like it's two more than hard. what I've read.
4: Exactly right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, I heard that you got a Peloton, so let us know how that works out.
4: That that has actually been my saving grace, and in between the two jobs, sneak in thirty minutes in the morning. I love it. I love cycling. It's good playlists, you know. the The instructors are funny, so I follow them on Instagram now. You know, keeps keeps (laughs) you keeps you laughing.
1: (laughs) Nice, nice. I didn't know that. I have to check that out. Um, so just to kind of wrap this up in, in a sense, um, because we could just go on and on forever. I feel like. <laughs> so we talked a little, you know, we talk a lot about politics and how we, we, we shape and we, um, or has it has shaped you, but why should young people care about politics? What would be your message to them?
4: I, I'll jump in here. I, I I often tell young people that they are the expert of their own experience. And I think that if their voice isn't included in this political process, no one else is going to speak on their behalf. And as I was saying earlier, when I was younger, I was one of those people, right? I had no connection to politics. My parents couldn't vote when I was younger because they weren't citizens yet. They were residents. And I, I didn't have a lot of connection to our elected officials, but I didn't realize that many of the challenges I was facing growing up had to do with sort of how policy was crafted, right? What's a living wage look like for working class folks? How much is rent in our communities? And, and, and is there afford access to affordable housing? Uh, what schools do you go to? And do you have access to? what type of colleges and universities in your, in your local communities. And so that is all politics, right? And and so it's, it's less about why get involved in politics, but, and it's more about like, what does it look like to be a part of the community that you live in? And that for me, is such a critical question because I think a lot of people view voting as, and just like view politics just simply as voting and for me, that's just like one step in the political process. There's so many different ways that you can be involved. And voting is like a, is like choosing what players you want on the field, right? It's not necessarily going to lead you to the win, but it's going to take a step forward in you sort of choosing who you want fighting for you. And if we're not involved in that process, then you're essentially giving up your opportunity to have a say in all this. And so... Um, I know politics can get frustrating and at times hopeless, but, you know, it, it is, I look back in history and see so many of the people that did decide to have a voice that has made such a huge difference for so many people, including people like our parents.
2: I think, you know, my parents, when I was younger, they took me to protests when I was five during the Bush administration. Um, they always told me, like, you know, if you're not at the table, these decisions will be made for you. And I was just I was always like, well, that's not what I want. Like, I want to have a say in what these politicians are doing. And I like, as Ricky said, like, I want to choose the players that will, you know, like advocate for me and my community. And that's something that my parents really, um, really drove home since, um, I was, like, a child, um, and it's not weird to talk about politics, like, you know, um, it's always encouraged to talk about politics, because it's what affects our lives, and I think that, you know, while working in the General Assembly, that just kind of, uh, amplifies that, um, you know, I, I have the Senate budget, like, on my desk, and this big budget can affect literally everyone. On you know what program gets funding, um, you know things like uh, things like uh, funding of departments and, and all all of the things that aren't talked about in politics because like it's not that interesting, but. Um, I I continue to, um, go with the mantra of, like, if you're not at the table, um, you know, these decisions will be made for you. Um, and knowing that, what are you going to do, um, to really shake the table and be a part of, be a part of a conversation.
1: So tell us how can young people get involved and Latinos get involved?
2: I would, I would say I can jump in here and I'd say, um, following your local advocacy network. Um, I, I find that once uh, you um, once you uh, find a, a group, um, I think the process is easier from then. Um, I know amazing groups in North Carolina that help uh, Latinos and young people get involved in politics. Um, but it's also knowing who your representatives are. Um, and I know that Ricky can talk more about this. Um, but i think a uh, a good first first step is uh just looking up like you know who are my representatives um what about like city council uh county county commissioners you know um these are all small roles but um they all hold equal weight in my opinion
4: it's the million dollar question right and, and i think some people want young people to just take the step of going from someone who's never been connected to the politics of an area to then like voting and working on campaigns without understanding your why. And I think like finding your why is so important. And for me, that has meant finding the issues that I'm really passionate about. So whether you're in high school and care about something that's happening in that building to whether you're on UNCG. UNCG's campus right now, and there's a topic of discussion that really just sort of, uh, you know, lights a fire under you. That for me was the process of of, of finding my sort of civic and political consciousness and, and realizing that there are issues and there's challenges in our community, and I can actually do something about it. I think that's the beauty of our democracy, that you know, as frustrating as that can be, sometimes we do have the opportunities to fight for something we believe in and have our voice heard. And you know, from there it's just sort of a snowball effect, right? You sort of get you you get an addiction to, to change, right? You you get an addiction to to wanting to improve the conditions of your community. And you know, the 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 politics part of it is just sort of a culmination of what do campaigns to get people elected look like? And trust me, every campaign in North Carolina, every campaign in the nation wants and needs more young Latinos working on them. And so it shouldn't be that difficult to find some volunteer or paid gigs to do it. It's just a matter of of, of identifying the things that you care about and figuring out how you how you build out that role to, to work on that. The second part of your question was why is it so important for young Latinos to get involved too? North Carolina is one of those states where a few thousand votes in either direction could determine the fate of a state for the that next term, for those next five years, for those next ten years. We've seen really close races in North Carolina for our governor, for Supreme Court judges, for Senate races. And you know this isn't a partisan comment, right? But in terms of the people make the determinations of what they want their senators or representatives to work towards and so latinos if they make their voices heard at the ballot box the issues that they care about will show up in our politics because there's a we're the the fastest growing ethnic group in north carolina and so if our community made their voice heard it could actually make the difference of who wins because then the margins are so narrow in north Carolina. And I think that really truly doesn't matter because it means that the issues that impact our community could actually have huge implications on how people approach politics in North Carolina in the future.
1: Thank you guys. This has been a great conversation. I have loved every minute of it. Kaylin, you've been wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on and hosting this with me. Um, Ariana, Ricky. thank you. You guys are an inspiration. Keep doing awesome work. Um, is there anything that you guys would like to just close off with?
4: I mean, i'll I'll just say that it I think for me, being in Raleigh can be really frustrating when you're sort of in the belly of the beast in doing the politics thing. But my sources of inspiration and hope come from college campuses like UNCG. And so I really hope we see more UNCG alum getting involved in politics and in government in general, right? We've been talking a lot about politics, but we need more public servants like Ariana, right? To be working for the city of Greensboro, to be running for county commissioner, to be involved on campaigns across the state and the nation, uh, to be the next Kalen, right? So working in D.C. and, and making sure that We are building a government that represents all of us. And so uh, to Ariana's point earlier around, you know, if you don't have a seat at the table, then you don't have a voice. I think that's very true, right? If you don't have a seat at the table, you're on the menu is something that often is said to me. And so uh, we have a choice on how we show up and whether the concerns and challenges of our parents and our grandparents uh, are talked about in these discussions. And, And that's on us to get involved.